Welcome to the Men Are The Prize podcast. This is a safe space for men just like you to be open, vulnerable, and emotional. Every week, a new case study steps out of his comfort zone to discuss masculinity. Using the prize mantra, we discuss important aspects of being a man. This is the who, what, where, when, and how of manhood. Men are the prize, the podcast. It's me, Harvey, your host. How are you? Hope the week, the day, life is treating you well. I hope everything is going the way you want to. But even if it isn't, I hope you're handling it life well and whatever situations come to you. As usual, another great guest. I want to talk to men who are comfortable speaking in whatever situation. Maybe they're in a different lifestyle, different job, different country, anything. And I always wanted to speak to somebody who was in the armed forces. If there's anything that is, I don't know if there's anything more masculine in this world than going to war and fighting for your country, being a Marine or Army, Navy, Air Force, whatever, being in the military, just like it just seeps out masculinity. Just that's a man right there. So having the opportunity to speak to a man who has that experience, I think would be was a good thing. And I got super lucky to have my guest today. And this is Mr. Sean Warren. Thank you so much for coming on today. How are you, sir? I'm remarkable. Thanks for having me on today. Excellent. I'm glad that you're here. I like a good bio, so I'm going to read this. Have a moment and appreciate what this man has accomplished. Lieutenant Colonel Rashawn Warren is a career Army officer that currently works as the professor of military science at the University of North Alabama. Lieutenant Colonel Warren was born November 15th, 1977 in Tyler, Texas. He completed his undergraduate studies at Kent State University in Ohio. He enlisted into the United States Army on October the 13th of 2005. LTC Warren completed basic combat training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and immediately following attended officer candidate school in Fort Benning, Georgia, where he was commissioned as a second lieutenant on May the 25th of 2006 in the active duty army to serve as an air defense artilleryman. That's bio, that's life, you've done quite a bit. I always find it interesting. What is it like to hear your bio or to hear your description of you? What is that like when you kind of get to hear your accolades and everything that you've done in life? Uh, I guess it's kind of amazing, you know, um, you know, just to hear some of the things that you accomplished, uh, Throughout time, you know, growing up, I never really thought about like a, that I would have a bio one day, you know, I have this uh, long lasting career and I'll be in the profession of arms. Um, so whenever I go and speak at places and people ask for a bio, uh, this is who I am. And every time I hear someone read it off to me, I kind of sit back and think about like, man, you know, I really did something. You know, I come from a, like a different kind of place, you know, um, hard upbringing. But just to hear that my name being mentioned in a profession means a lot to me. Beautiful. That's good to hear. I asked a lot of men that because a lot of men aren't used to hearing complimentary words said about them. Or our bio, like you said, it's not something we grow up expecting that somebody's going to be reading a bio about us or describing our success. So it's always good. I think like tell men, you know what? You deserve to get your flowers. You've done work. You put the effort in, you put the time, the people around you respect you. And it's good to kind of sit back and appreciate, you know what? I've done some stuff in my life and I'm allowed to appreciate it. You don't have to be cocky about it, but you can you can be comfortable with it. So yeah. it's, it's good to hear. Can I ask, were you always, was it always a dream? to be in the military or is it something that came around later? How did that come about for you? Uh, never was a dream, never thought about it. Didn't know anyone in the military. I think uh, I grew up um, and all I know is one day, I remember in high school one day, um, the I was home, the army recruiter guy came by my house and he was like, hey, I'm looking for Rashawn Warren. I'm like, this is he. And he was like, hey, I wanna to talk to you about the military. I say, no way, no how, man. I say, you're in the wrong place. Uh, we're not 
the military here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I sent him on his way. Um, but how I wound up in the military is that I was working as a youth counselor at Youth Opportunities Cleveland, and I was playing in the International Basketball League. And a, uh, I was watching a commercial about the war and everything that was going on. And like at that instant, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm not doing enough. I like really thought to myself, I'm not doing enough. And then I got up, went down to the recruiting office and I was like, hey man, sign me up. I want to join the army. So I went down to join the army, not knowing anything about the army. My recruiter told me, he was like, hey, you know what? If you keep working hard, you can go to college. I was like, oh, I've already graduated. And he's like, oh, you already have a degree already? I'm like, yeah, you know, I graduated from Kent State University. I played collegiate basketball there. And then he was like, oh, well, you can go to uh, officer school. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. So I'm just trying to get into the military. And all the way through basic training, I did not know (laughs) what officer school was. I thought it was like uh, to be a police officer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And because, again, I knew nothing about the military. And then um, once I got in, the rest is history. But that is absolutely how the military came to pass. Okay. So what was that experience like, or just basic training? How did that build the man that we see today? Uh, Well, coming into basic training, you know, I was already an athlete. So um, from a physical fitness um, point, you know, I'm six, seven. I think I was like 280 at the time. Um, so I was in good physical shape. I was playing ball. I was doing a lot of things. So to me, I just looked at it as like, uh, this is a workout. I get to get in shape. You know? So I was literally just going through, I did push-ups at night. I did sit-ups at night. The drills aren't smoked us. But, you know, in my mindset was like, okay, I'm going to be a soldier. I need to prepare myself as much as I can from a physical aspect. Um, mentally I've been through a lot. So I felt that it, like mentally I'll be okay. Um, uh, but I didn't know what to expect. And so once I went to basic training, I completed that. And then I got a, then I went to officer candidate school and it was harder than basic training, you know, cause it's a quick way to, that they um, institute those to become an officer who's already have their college degree. That's what officer candidate school is kind of for. I was a college option person. And so I just increased my physical fitness from there. So I think I lost like maybe 40 pounds from basic training through officer candidate school until the time I arrived in the army. Okay, interesting, okay. I wanted a little foundation about you and then we can get into it. So we'll start. If you've listened or watched this podcast, you know what this is, prize is the word. It's in the title, men are the prize. I take four of the letters in the word prize. Each letter represents a word that I think is a good characteristic for men. So we're gonna go through and talk with Mr. Warren and see if we can get a little insight into him. So the first letter in the word prize, the letter is P, the word is purpose. Purpose is defined as reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So Mr. Warren, what is your purpose right now? Uh, Right now, from a occupational perspective, my purpose is to develop young men and women in order to go into the military to perform at their best, to learn the best they can in order to operate as a leader in today's society and in the military as a whole. I think my my life purpose is just to help others. It's, it's always been that. I've, I've just always um, sought to help people um, whenever I had the opportunity because when I came up, a lot of people helped me uh, to get to where I was at. I was in the gang prevention programs. I was in the Boys and Girls Club. Um, people help me to play, pay for basketball tournaments so I can get scholarships. So I had a lot of people guide me down the path, even though I wasn't the best of kids. <laughs> but, you know, I think when I got to this point, I was like, you know what, let me just pull somebody else up. Um, primarily people who came up like me um, before I'm out of this place, my, my clock expires. Okay. Okay, excellent. When I talk to men, there's a tendency for, you know, the purpose or what we end up doing, our profession, whatever we really love to do. A lot of times it's very much the answer to the, you know, to the conundrum we had growing up. We didn't have a father figure. We didn't have a mentor. We didn't have a coach. So a lot of times when we grow up, we end up trying, we end up becoming the person that we needed growing up. 
So it sounds like you you don't really fit that because it sounds like you were you were in a good group. You had a nice you had a tribe. You had a village of people helping you up. And you know you weren't perfect, but you had people to help you through your journey and your struggles and such. Is that a fair statement with you? I guess it's kind of fair, you know, like I, I, I never, I don't know my dad. I never met my dad, you know, uh, for the part. So not in my life. My mom fulfilled the mom role to the fullest um, single parent. Um, it was five of us doing everything by herself for the most part. I was raised in a family full of women. Uh, you know, I had two uncles that were around, um, but, you know, I can't really say that they raised me or like helped me like that. The streets did most of that because uh, okay. my mom was at work um i um but i did have the boys and girls club and i did have the gang prevention programs and those people um modeled uh, what it was supposed to be like but there's a difference between modeling what it's supposed to be like and only seeing that sparringly and having that in the house uh, i just knew that if i did something i wasn't supposed to do and it was really troublesome that my mom was going to take it out on me and, and we had our little headbutts throughout um but i didn't really realize um who she was and what she provided for me until i was in college you know just growing up you know the the streets were where i was at and that's what i knew and you know you gotta do what you gotta do to make it and then when i went to college i had all these skills that not everyone else had but they were only the skills that my mom gave me, not that anyone else gave me. And I didn't realize that until I was away from her. Okay. Okay. That, okay. So here's my question. So obviously you were raised in a home full of women. Can you, and you might've answered it already. Can you think about or talk about how being raised by a lot of women affected your masculinity? How did it help you become the man that you are? Uh, I, I just think from the end of the day, uh, I just felt like I was a protector kind of because I was the only really the only guy that was always around. Um, I felt like uh, I, I can't say that that I I didn't become a man because of them, because they were really tough. You know, they were they were really um, staunch supporters of me and success. Um, they supported the things that I did. And, but I can tell you, this is almost like it became a point to where I didn't, I didn't even think about a father. I didn't even, cause I never had it. So to me, I was just going through life and like, all right, these are the lessons I need to learn. And, but I did always think about there's someone out there that knows I'm out there, but is not reaching for me. It always stayed at the back of my mind. And, and it affected me in fatherhood. Uh, when I had my son, you know, my son is, you know, he's doing great right now. He's in his third year of Purview A&M Mechanical Engineering. And, but what I did for him was everything a man didn't do for me. Mm-hmm. And I think I did it unconsciously. And I, and I can tell you this, but my, the way my mom raised us, we didn't have a lot of money. So we never went a lot of places. Um, we didn't, actually we hardly ever went anywhere. Um, but the lessons that she gave me helped me move forward. And with my son, I just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to do everything that I want it to be done. And that's how I've been living. That's good. That's good. We do that a lot, especially men. When we don't have dad, we become super dad to kind of take the place of what we didn't have. So I understand that. And it's, it sounds like that you are not just in the house, but you are present in his life. Because there's a difference between just kind of being here and really being a force in his life. Was that something that you consciously, something that you made a point to be extra involved because you didn't have it originally? Well, I just think that, you know, uh, I didn't know how it felt to be loved by a man. You know, so, but I like really, really love my son. Mm -hmm. And I tell my son every time I talk to him, every time before I get off the phone, you know, I love you. I miss you. I love you. I miss you because I want him to know it's okay to say, Hey, I love you. I miss you. Or even if he's at the gym and we're playing basketball together, I'm like, Hey, I got to go. I'll be back to get you. I love you. And then I noticed something funny one time though. I was leaving the gym and I told him, I said, Hey, I love you. Uh, and I'll see you in a little bit. And he was like, I love you too, dad. And then I heard his friend say, Oh, I love you dad. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of j- joked about it. 
But uh, when that later that night, my, me and my son talked and and I was like, "What's up with your friends, man?" He was like, "Man, I don't know. Maybe they dad don't love them." You know? <laughs> you know? But but to him, that's normal because that's right. how we communicate. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I never had that. I can't remember or recall a time when another man told me, "Hey, I, I love you, Ray." I, I don't remember that. Wow. That's important. It really is. I, and I love the fact that that's what you do with your children. Just for your knowledge, I'm a stay-at-home dad of four. I have an 18-year-old son and three daughters. So it's important, especially oh, yeah. with my son. Because 18, at least for my 18-year-old, he thinks he knows everything. And he one more thing. <laughs> and my daughters are, are worse. But one thing, and it's been a conscious effort for me, because when you have daughters, that kind of emotional, the hugging, the touching, I love you type of thing, it's almost automatic. It's just kind of what you do because they're girls and we're supposed to be emotional with them. But when it's our sons, it's not an automatic thing. At first, you have to make a conscious effort to do it. But it sounds like for you, it just rolls off the tongue. It's like, I love you, blah, 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 whatever. And the more our boys hear that, the more comfortable they're going to be in the world. So it's excellent to see a good father doing that. It's really simple things. You're allowed to be vulnerable. You're allowed to be emotional. I'm still getting past hugging my son. He's 18. He's a big boy. He's like, you know, just like, because he, he'll hug. If he'll he'll come and he'll stay all day. Like, he love a good hug. Then it's just, there's going <laughs> on. So I'm still working on that myself. But that's progress as a father. But you clearly are doing absolutely great with that. Um, is there anything that you think of right now that you think you could improve in in being a father? Um, I guess improvement is uh just taking my hand off the off the proverbial wheel, I guess, because you know, I still worry about him. Um I, I still hope that he's doing well and he's making the right choices. And so I I will still get on him sometimes I'm like, hey man, what's going on with all this? You know. Um, but he's doing fine. He's doing fine, way better than what I was doing. And you know, and I'm learning to to like, hey, it's his time. Just like I had my time when I was in college, this is time to grow, develop, learn how to function on his own and and understand that when he needs me, he'll contact me. You know, you know, once they're your baby, they always your baby, you know. Yes, sir. And I'm just trying to really say, hey, you know what, to to have the best relationship that I can have with him. I need to not worry so much about is the world treating him kind. Mm-hmm. but need to worry more about how is he navigating the world on his own. So true. So true. I love that. I love that. When you're a parent, and I and I specifically, because this is a podcast for men, specifically with, as a father of a son, I can see the pitfalls. I can see the things, the mistakes that you could possibly make. And I think as a parent, it's a reflex. You try to jump in and try to help them. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. That's gonna be that's gonna be bad. Don't talk to her. That's gonna lead to bad things. You know all these things, and it's easy to just say, "Yo, no." I think the hardest thing to do is to allow life to happen with your kids. Yes. To allow mistakes to occur, and just like you said, when he needs me, I'm there. So you mess up, I got you. What happened? How do you feel about that? Do you think you could have avoided it? Did you see the red flag? Those are like the real good, important conversations because I can just tell you not to do this and you won't do it, but it'll stick more if you did it and now you learn from that mistake. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. My first boyfriend, my girlfriend for my brother, for my son, and I'm like, she probably not the one, but he needed to experience and not meet somebody that wasn't the one. <laughs> now he, he's got a better view. So I understand that. And I'm in complete alignment with you in terms of being a dad. I'm still actually trying to reach to you. I'm still trying to be better. I say I love you, but I got to do it more. I got to, there's a level of intimacy that we need to have with our kids. And I'm still trying to build that up. So I know I could follow your um your lead. The next letter in the word prizes are the word is resilience. Resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. And I think you kind of alluded to this, but I'll ask nonetheless. Can you think of a particular situation, something that happened in life where you discovered you had resilience that you didn't know you had? Well, I, like I told you, I, I grew up really hard. We, we didn't have a lot of things. Um, you know, we were homeless at some one point. Um, I, I was kicked out at one point. 
at one point, me and my sisters and brothers, we were, and my mom was living in the garage, um, you know, just trying to make it, right? And I, the one thing that I learned about myself is that even though people would make fun of us because we didn't have a lot and we didn't do a lot, you know, I, you know, I still knew down the road that I was going to be something. You know what I mean? I, I just felt it like, like always felt like I'm going to be able to make it. And as I went forward in life, I was just having setback after setback. Um, Cause I, I would say I, I failed my way to success. I, I just kept failing. I kept failing. Like, and when I was in high school, well, when I was in a third grade, I, I flunked a third grade. Right. So pick myself back up, keep on moving. When I was a senior in high school, I was taking freshman classes, you know, I picked myself back up. I, I got to college my first freshman year. I was academically ineligible. You know, I couldn't play first year. I picked myself back up. Um, and then I, I graduated. And then when I got into the world, uh, per se, when I even when I came into the Army, I didn't do so well initially. But, but, but operationally, I was always fine. Um, so I think I learned at a young age that you can fail and not lose. You know what I mean? So you can, something can go wrong and you can still win. And throughout all of those lessons, I think, you know, from being homeless or not eating a lot or being in a single parent um, home or with just a bunch of chaos around all the time through just the world and the city, I still found a way to end up here. You know, like I tell the kids when I go speak at schools, um, if I if I can pull it out the hat, you can pull it out the hat because I am a, a living testimony. I, I I heard this thing. I think it was from Billy Osbergs. He says uh, you can either walk around listening to testimonies or you could become one. And and my story is just a story like many others, but it's mine. And it's not one of one path. I got up and it happened. It is one of knock down, knock down, knock down, knock down, win, knock down, knock down, win. You know, so you're going to have your turbulence, but I've lost a lot. And that's why I think um, I've learned resiliency because a loss is a loss and it's only a failure if you quit. Okay. Okay. Well said. Well said. We skipped the I, at least until the end. The next letter in the word prize is Z. The word is zeal. Zeal is enthusiastic devotion. So I'm going to ask you, and let's take out family and I guess take out maybe profession and the work that you do. What are you enthusiastically devoted to? Life. I, I love myself. I love myself so uh, because I feel that if I don't love myself, it is hard for me to give that energy to my son, to my wife, to my, to my mom, my sisters, you know, my brother. Um, I feel good about what I've been through. And with that, I just go help people left and right. Like, if you looked at my LinkedIn account, you'll just see, like, hey, I'm out there with these kids. I'm out there with those kids. I'm I'm out there with these students. I'm out there with these principals, these superintendents. It's because I just want to make a change, and I just want to give some information to someone that they may be like, hey, you know what? I can go make another life better. And when I say I love myself and I love and I'm, like, devoted to life, I don't mean that in, like, a cockiness way. I just mean I really believe in who I am. And who I am is a person who helps others. And you can't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? And if we if we go through life and we're loving who we are, we can give love to other people. Jim Rohn talked about putting negative ideas in your mental reservoir. If you keep putting negative things inside of your mental reservoir, whether it's I don't believe in myself. Man, this is going to be hard for me. I'm not feeling it today. Oh, man, I just can't win. I, I, I'm not feeling this life today. It You're going to fall victim to the self-fulfilling prophecy. It is no way possible that you can live through all of this turmoil and chaos and negative thought about self and you go out there and help someone's life get better. 
so true. Positive thoughts, positive affirmations. You gotta, that's, it's, it seems so simple. Just like yourself and appreciate it. But it, I think it's harder for some people to, you know, to appreciate the journey and appreciate what, where they are considering what they've been through. And I think that's just something people need to hear. You've done a lot. You struggled. We all have, but look where you are. You could have been there, but you're here instead. Be proud of your successes. Be proud of your failures. Be proud of everything. And that's, is that something that you say to, I guess, obviously you're in the military, to people coming up, officers, anyone. Is that part of what you would say to somebody in the military? Yeah, I would tell them all the time, you know, the best belief is self-belief. You know, like if, if you want to be a leader and you want to, you got to lead from the front. If, if you want other people to succeed, you got to model success. If you want someone to love themselves and their family, you got to love yourself and you got to love your family. Because those are the things that we do, we should be doing unconsciously, right? So, and if you do have to make a conscious effort to do more, then make a conscious effort to do more. My, my mom once told me, don't let your negative attitude be the reason that someone else has a messed up day. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, oh man, you know, like, you know, like that, it was like profound. I had like this epiphany. Right. I'm like, you know what? I didn't say nothing to her at that time, but I just took it out. And that has been part of who I am, confidence, belief in self, and let everyone else make their decisions. But if you're gonna be around me and we're gonna, we, we're, we're gonna help people. If you're gonna be around me, I need you to believe in yourself because if you believe in yourself, you're gonna do more. I, I would say a happy soldier is a productive soldier. Okay, okay, all right, facts. The last letter in the word prize, the letter is E and the word is expectation. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. What do you expect of yourself in the next five years? Where will you be? Will you be in the same place? Will you be doing something different? What do you expect from yourself five years from now? Geographically, I'll be in another place because I only get to be at my duty assignment for three years and then I got to move on. Okay. Um, but I expect for myself is what I expect for myself every day. I'm just going to show up like I already been there. You know, I'm, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to extend my influence to the best of my ability. I'm going to help whoever's in charge reach their goals. Um, and, and I'm going to try to find some youngsters that are growing in the military and say, hey, y'all, this is how we do it. You know, I, I don't know, you know, what the future holds for me as far as the military is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the military has a choice in Rashawn Warren, you know, um, but regardless of what happens, I'm not tied to the military as far as success is concerned. It, it's never been like that. Like I'm a soldier. I will move forward. I love being a soldier. But success for me is impact. If, if I'm not an impact person, and I'm not changing lives. It doesn't matter if I'm in the military or if it matters I'm on the street or if it matters I'm at a school. You know, I just need to make an impact and have other people think that, hey, I can do it. Because I'm going to keep telling people my story. And when I keep telling people my story, it, like I said, it's one of failure, but it's also one of success. And if people hear my story, we don't, we never know who we're going to come into. And they're going to say, you know what? That dude was down and out. That dude was at the detention center. You know, that dude was in a game prevention program. But look at that guy right now. You know, it 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 can be you, I guess. So that's that's where I see myself just helping people as much as I can. And whatever geographical location that's in, it's still gonna be the same. Wonderful. That's wonderful. The last letter based on this mantra for prize is the I. It doesn't represent a word. It represents the man that I'm speaking to. So if we can, for a second, kind of take off maybe the titles or the shackles that we, you know, that are thrust upon us. So when you're not a father, a husband, you know, a member of the military, any of those things, friend, employee, all that other stuff, when you take all that stuff off, it's really just kind of you at your core, you know, your own space in the dark headphones, nothing else, whatever. Who are you? At your core? At my core, I'm a contributor. You know, I, I contribute 
to society. I contribute to other people's lives. I'm a, I'm a winner. Everything that I do, I find out a way to get to where I need to be and not by myself, never happened by myself though, with the team. Um, I'm like you said earlier, I'm resilient. I've been punched a lot. <laughs> I've been kicked a lot. I've been talked about a lot, but I, but I remain steadfast and focus on who I believe I am. And I, lastly, I am confident. I, I am very confident in myself and, you know, and it enjoys me to watch my youngster come up. My youngster said to me one time, my son said that he was little. He says, dad, you know, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but I want to be like you. And I was like, oh, for real? I was like, what is that? <laughs> he said, he said, I want to help people. And like out of all the things in the world that he could have said, he said, I want to help people. And then he always talked to me about like, well, how you can talk to everybody? I said, because I believe in me. I said, you got to believe in you. And just to see him going forward now, all those things that I just described to you about who I know I am, not believe, not think, like who I know I am, I see that in him. And he's just going forward based off of what I'm modeling. So that's who I am with all the titles gone. That's Rashawn Dwayne Warren, you know. Okay, okay. Being a good man, you uh, most people can see it. For me, I take even more seriously the view that my kids give to the world. So your child is the perfect example. You're it's obviously you're a good man, but you've got a son who without hesitation wants to help people. That can only reflect positively on the parents. It is obvious that you you're raising a great member of society. He's going to help people. Sadly, we all eventually we will all pass on, but this legacy will continue on because he's a good man because of you and his children will be good because of him. That's That has to feel good to believe in yourself, but to see your child and to see the success in raising a child, that's got to feel good knowing that you did a good job and that you sent out a really good agent into the world. Yeah. yeah and I'll tell you what, I was scared at the beginning. Because, you know, I'm a father, I, I didn't know what to do you know i had a conversation with my sister last night and then she told me that she her son is 18 getting ready to go into college she told me the, that she had a conversation with him because uh, his dad's not in the life either like like he should be but but she said i had to have a conversation with him and tell him i was sorry and i was like well sorry about what she said i had to tell him that i was sorry because I didn't give him everything that I think he should have had. And then she said, simply because I didn't believe in myself then. And I was like, so in my mind, I'm like, you had that conversation with him? Because this is a parent telling their man, their child, their, hey, I didn't believe in myself. And why do I feel she had that conversation? Because she wanted him to believe in himself. She wanted to be honest, like, hey, I didn't believe in myself then, but now I believe in myself. Like, I take that as a message to him. Hey, believe in who you are as a man and move out. And, and, and you will make it happen. Okay. Yeah. And that kind of vulnerability is, it's important. And like we said, profound, it is if you have to really sit there and consider it, you know, your parents saying, listen, and, and I, as a child, I don't think I question what my parents do, what they did. I believe that's the best that they could do. So he's like, you mom, and you did what you can do. But to hear her say, you know what, I could have done better. And I apologize. That's got to be for me. I'm like, I respect you even more. Mm -hmm. because the fact that you could just look me in my eye and say that, that you don't feel like you did the best. like, I love you even more because you you try and you recognize maybe the error in your ways. It's conversations like that that connect you even more to your children, just like you when you talk with your son. I try my best to like, you know, I mess up and tell the kids I, I made a mistake. You know, I'm not perfect and stuff like that. These are the moments, the conversations that really stick with kids, that they know that they're loved, that they're respected, and they just go out into the world with that. So 
little not even little important conversations like that go a long way with our kids yeah so your family you guys are doing great which is wonderful um thank you for answering the questions in the prize mantra i have a few random questions that i like to end this with my first question is this what are you afraid of that you can not control uh oh that's a good question uh, what am I afraid of that I cannot control? I guess I would have to say at the end of the day, my health. <laughs> you know, um, you know, as a as a black man, uh, we're you know susceptible to a, a bunch of different things. You know, like high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, cholesterol, you know, right. things nature. You know, and what I try my best to do is you know stay as healthy as possible. But I. I I'm afraid of that because I have a fear uh, deep inside that I won't be around for my wife and my son mm -hmm. if they need me. Now, we may argue and fuss and stuff like that all the time, but at the end of the day, if they if they need me and I'm not physically able to do what I need to do, then what? You know, I, I just have that fear. And I think that's a man thing, you know, like, yes, it is. It doesn't matter, you know, like how good the relationship is or anything like that. This it's a responsibility. Yes, sir. Responsibility, and and I worry about health, and I try my best to work out and do everything I can to keep it going. But you know how that goes. Mm -hmm. If it's your time, it's your time. If you got to fight it, you got to fight it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I echo that. And I think maybe some people hear that and they maybe get the wrong idea. I can say, and my wife is, I have a black wife and I know that if something would happen and if I, and I'm a diabetic, so I've had stuff happen to me. And if I were to die, I think in my mind, I'd be like, oh my God, what are they going to do? But in reality, they're going to be fine. My wife mm -hmm. will handle business. So a comment like that isn't, more statement about the family or your wife and be able to handle things. It's more about me. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here for my wife. I'm supposed to help my kids. I'm supposed to be it. If I'm not here, it's not, I'm not sure it's going to get done. But for me, I don't know if I like the idea of somebody else doing it because it's supposed to be me. Oh, and yeah. I, think that, I think that's how I take that. And I appreciate you answering that question. So let's flip the coin now. What are you afraid of that you can control? that I can control. Uh, I guess my, um, I guess I would say how I approach things and, 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 I'll, and I'll break that down for you because I have a certain way that I think things should go as far as how people should be. Mm -hmm. and, and, and my expectations on myself is high so therefore, I tend to have super high expectations of other people. And in the military, you know, we're like expectation driven, you know, get results, you know. And sometimes I'm aware, my emotional intelligence is high, I'm aware. But sometimes when things don't go the way that they're supposed to go, I get frustrated. And I start getting frustrated because I'm like, hey, man, this is supposed to be like this. <laughs> And, but, but I know better, you know, I can control that, but, you know, sometimes the military person, um, seeps into home person and, and unfortunately we spend so much time deployed or we spend so much time, um, with someone over us on a hard deadline or making some should have been just like this, or it should have been just like that. And the environment is not always so perfect and you get caught inside of that and it just becomes who you are you know and then you take it to people who have nothing to do with the military and but i can control that i'm aware of it so sometimes you know i, I can kind of be like hey this is supposed to be like this chop chop <laughs> you know um uh, but but as long as i stay aware i i can say to myself everyone's not like me and everyone's not in the military Okay. Okay. That's good. Acknowledging that is important because if you know it, you can deal with it. And that's, that's incredibly important. All right. 
Two last questions. Talk to a lot of men, friends, men that I coach, stuff like that. And one thing that I've kind of discovered is we men don't value ourselves as much as we need to. So I ask men two particular questions. One, and this is for you. What do you do for you to self-soothe? What do you do when life is hard, life is tough, it's the struggle, I feel like I can't handle things sometimes. I don't know if you ever feel that way, but life can just kind of feel like it's pushing down on you. What do you do for you to get away from all that drama for a little while? I go to the gym. Okay. <laughs> I go to the gym and I'll tell you why. I go to the gym because I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you my life is easy. My life has never been easy. My life has been hard. It's, it's still hard. You know, I, I just found a way to be strong in the face of adversity all the time. You know, but if I go to the gym, I can put my headphones on and I can work on myself. I can, you know, I can go in there and just focus. And some people would tell me all the time, like, you always in the gym, you barely ever go to sleep. Yeah, because I'm 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 dealing with life. You know, I'm dealing with, you know, the frustrations of of, you know, like I'm in Alabama, but my family is in Texas, you know, I'm just, I'm by myself, you know, I'm feeling with the frustrations of being alone. I'm, I'm dealing with the frustrations of, you know, every most holidays come through. I, I don't get to celebrate them with anyone. You know, I'm like, people may have problems at home that I just can't fix because I'm here. You know, um, people may be upset or mom may be sick. Um, it's just so much, or maybe here, a bunch of things are going not so right. And it's hard sometimes when you're the ultimate leader at the top, because you don't want to share a bunch of negativity as a man. You don't want to share a bunch of ne negativity or things that are not necessarily going right with mm -hmm. subordinate leaders, uh, especially if it's mentally breaking you, you know? So what I do is I go to the gym, I reset myself. Maybe I'll go sit at the um, movie by myself and, you know, get a break from reality. You know, watch some sci-fi, watch the spaceship take off, with, you know, and, you know, that way I can stand back up and tell myself, like, okay, I took care of myself. I escaped from the world for a little bit. Let's go do this again. And that's the truth. Okay. So you put those headphones on and you hit it and you, you know, at the gym. What's bumping in them headphones? What you listening to these days? Actually, I just listen to a bunch of motivational speakers. Okay. Like around me, you'll hear me say a thousand quotes um, because I go to a motivation mix and I download all of the motiversities, Billy All Brooks, Jim Rohns, and the ones that have music in the background, David Goggins. And I'll listen to that all the way through. And I do that because sometimes like stuff is tough. And I mean, I feel like I get the urge to quit, you know, um, but then I hear them like, hey, it's just an urge, you know, like uh, I can tell you, uh, I just heard T.D. Jake say the, in the thing this morning I listened to, he says every athlete, every soldier has felt the urge to quit, have felt the urge to quit. I mean, everyone's going to feel it, but are you going to do it, you know, and putting those ideas in my mind just so I can say, hey, you know what? Right now, this thing is rough. Like life may be rough. This rep is rough, but I can do it. And that's why I listen to those self-affirmation type um, playlists so I can say, hey, you know what? I'm not the only one thinking like this. That's the, that's the difference, right? Some of us are going to stop and some of them are going to say, hey, no mas, I'm not moving forward. I'm done. And some of us are going to say one more step. One more step. And then that's the only way you can get to your true de de destination. My, my boss said uh, one time, like a couple months ago, uh, the colonel was like, hey, we're going to push people to the edge and then we're going to fall off after them. Mm -hmm. And what that what I took from that was like, we're going to push people to the farthest length of the earth. And then I'm going to go right behind them to let them know I'm coming down with them, because I think the adage is. The only person that truly knows the edge is the one who fell over. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, that is, that's powerful. Yeah, you, 
you never were you really at the edge if you were able to just kind of step back and move on? You you don't really that urgency is not really there. I feel you. I feel that. I like that. Last question. I talk to a lot of men, and like I mentioned, we talk about taking care of ourselves. And a lot of us growing up have a lot going on, and we don't always have somebody to talk to, a vessel, somebody to listen to the struggles that we go through. So a lot of it, we internalize a lot. So I ask men this, do you have a friend? And let's take the family out. So not the wife, not family members, stuff like that. Do you have a person who you could pick up the phone and call right now and say, I did something stupid. I don't even know why I did it. It was dumb. Who would be there, listen to you, probably tell you, you know, that was dumb. I don't know why you <clears> did that, Rashawn. But would listen to you would be supportive, somebody who you could lay your burdens at and it would be a safe place because you knew it wasn't going anywhere. Do you have that kind of person in your life? Um, I, I do actually. Uh, I have a I have two friends that I can just call and I can air out everything that's crazy about life. And the reason that I can call them and I will call them is because I know that there will not be any judgment there. It, it'll be, they'll listen to what I got to say. They may be like, man, that's wild, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but, but it's an outlet. It's a, it's a, it's an outlet. And, and they're kind of in the same position as me um, as far as age is concerned. And they can give me honest feedback. And, you know, like a lot of times I thought about some craziness and I'm like, Hey man, I'm thinking this right now. And then they were like, what are you going to do? They don't tell me what to do. They were like, what are you going to do? Uh, it's kind of like a psychiatrist or something. Like, hey, I, I'm not going to give you the answer. You tell me how you're going to work through this thing. But it's a exactly. listen. Uh, and, and I think we all need that. Another person, uh, another guy that we can just go to and say, hey, man, are you feeling what I'm feeling? Hey, I, I think this is happening, but I'm not quite sure if I'm just thinking out of bounds or like, hey, I did this. And I know what was wrong. Well, what, what do you think I should do? Or like, how do you feel about that? So I, I actually have two people that I can confide in like that. That's good. I'm getting, it's it's better. It's getting better for me with the men I talked to. Early on, there were a lot of men who didn't have that, that person. We know a lot of people, but there are mm -hmm. very few people that know us. And that's important for the tribe, for this community. Men need that space. We need somebody who understands the struggle who can listen to the struggle and give feedback or just listen. So again, I'm glad that you have somebody like that. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that we had a chance to speak. One last question, just because it came to me. If okay. I'm a man considering going into the military, I have an 18 year old son. He's graduated from college. Let's say he was considering the military. What would What would your advice be? What would you say to anybody thinking about that? Well, I would say if you consider in the military, just make sure it's something that you want to do. Number one, right? And and I say that because um, being a professional soldier is a great profession, but you have to be ready to leave, you know, at some point, you know. Um, but I would also say this is, this profession within itself is not like one that you'll experience out there. And I say that because once you join the military, you encompass this whole set of values, whole set of beliefs, um, camaraderie, togetherness, that even when you fail and things aren't looking good, you have somebody next to you that's pushing you towards success or helping the lead, coach, mentor, care about who you are as an individual more so because I'll just be honest, a lot of other occupations care about, um, hey, are you getting the job done? Oh, you ain't getting the job done? We're going to find somebody else. But here, it is like this weird place where you can fail and somebody may say something to you, but then they're like, hey, we, let's reteach this again. So how do you learn this? And I don't think that that's something where patience is um, lost out in the world, but I know here in the military, you're going to get to where you need to be if you can stick it out and keep your nose clean, you can become what they say, be all you can be, <laughs> you know, you can be the best person that you can be. And a lot of people that I talk to that are no longer serving, that have 
retired, since retired from the military, they told me that the best lessons that they learned in life came from service. The discipline, you know, the, the way to navigate complicated problems, um, you know, we would say, hey, we're here to recognize negative patterns and break them up. And just to be able to do that with other people on a daily basis, I think is profoundly remarkable for a person that's seeking to join the armed services. But for your son, you know, if he's already completed college, you know, he can go past like I did. I officer candidate school, boom. And in the becoming an officer in the military, I didn't join until I was 26. You know, so it's that option is always open or he can go to ROTC at a university to reserve officer training corps and go get his master's degree and then become an officer through the ROTC route. So there's a lot of options, but I would definitely say if you're looking for a challenge, um, to challenge yourself, to grow um, at a high rate, uh, lead people, this is the place to be. Excellent. Thanks for answering that question, even though I said I was done. And then something else came up. (laughs) That was the last question. How can can people find you? Social media, website, if somebody wants to just kind of get wrapped up in Rashawn Warren, where can they find you? Yeah, you can just look for Rashawn Warren on LinkedIn. Um, You can find me there. Uh, you can also email me at r-w-a-r-r-e-n at u-n-a.edu. I'll say that again. It's r-w-a-r-r-e-n, the number two, at u-n-a.edu. And, uh, and you can reach me like that. But LinkedIn, I think, is, is great because if you look for Rashawn Warren there, um, you can just see what I'm about first off. And then you can make a decision whether or not you want to contact me and then send me a message and and then I will definitely reach back out that day when I see it. Excellent. Fantastic. Your information will be in the episode notes. Thank you again for your time. We appreciate it. Um, Thank you to everybody who watches or listens to this podcast. I'll leave you with this. Very much the words of Mr. Warren. Love yourself. Be proud of what you've accomplished and what you will accomplish. It's not cocky. It's just convinced, man. You know what you are. And when you represent yourself well, when you know who you are, when you know you're good people, you can't help but spread that love to everybody else around you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for Kristen McGriff. She does my intro. Smooth voice at the beginning, smooth voice after mine. Thank you to everybody. And never forget every man or woman who's listened, you are the man and you are a prize. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Men Are The Prize podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow Harvey on the gram at men of zealous nature or on twitter at men zealous have a great week and never forget you are a man and you are the prize